You've spent all winter stuck inside imagining your next big home project. A bigger, brighter kitchen, a fabulous new fence, the possibility of a pool. There's so much you would do if only you could. The good news? With an S&T Home Equity total line of credit, you can. We've got your back with financial flexibility, and we're here to support you with exceptional customer service. So dream as big as you want, and we'll help you bring those dreams home. At S&T, it's just what we do. S&T Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Stay connected and never miss a beat with AT&T. Our reliable network covers more roads than any other carrier, ensuring you're always in the loop. Whether it's tournament upsets, buzzer beaters, or social media buzz, stay up to date. Don't let the action pass you by. Check if you're eligible for a free trial of in-car Wi-Fi at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. And keep the madness going. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Monogram at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build. Welcome to the Point After on WDVE Pittsburgh. The entire Steelers radio broadcast team is here to break down the last game. Here's your host, Missy Matthews. We're JV again tonight, and I'm talking about up front on both sides. Uh, We lost the battle in the line of scrimmages, and that's football. Um, We make no excuse. Um, It is what it is. Um, We got to be better than we were. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Point After, presented by Parks Casino and Comcast Business. Your business depends on internet. Get internet. Your business can depend on Comcast Business, built for business. I'm Missy Matthews with Craig Wolfley and Max Starks to recap the Steelers' 36-28 loss to the Vikings on Thursday Night Football. The Steelers are now 6-6-1, four games left in the season. And, Wolf, that game feels like it was like a month ago. It does indeed, and we were talking about it earlier off the air here. It's almost like it has faded from from memory, but certainly it's not from the fans nor from the players. There's an awful lot of material to go over here. And just as I was watching the, the game today, watching it over and over on film, different things and aspects jump out again. But the one thing that just absolutely just gets you is the schizophrenic nature of the two halves. I mean, there's just no way to explain that. Mike Tomlin very succinctly stated that it, it all begins up front. The front ends of both units, offense and defense, were particularly susceptible there. And it they've got to win those battles. And those battles in the trenches are, are absolutely imperative for them to win. And like I always say, it, you know, it's it, the cultured fan knows it's the fat guys up front that make it go. <laughs> Max, after the loss to Cincinnati, the ugly loss in, to, to Cincinnati, uh, you know, Coach Salman talked about the line of scrimmage and not being able to win it on both sides. Here we are again after – you know, a good performance against the Ravens. Where do you see this simmering as you've had time to think over this loss? I mean, this is this is just as bad. I mean, you, whether you get blown out or you squeak by for a victory, I mean, a lot of the same principles are still there. Uh, you know, you got blown out in the first half of this Minnesota game. The only difference was Cincinnati was sustainable for four quarters, whereas you kind of, 
were able to you know tread water and then try and kick yourself back into gear. But once again, little mistakes just chipped away at you at the end of it, regardless of what it was. So I, I think they're both equal in my mind. Um, you know, and not, none of the, none of them look good. I mean, it, it, when Coach Tomlin said it was JV, that's exactly what it was. Whether it was the first half or or a full game, you still had JV-ish moments, and it looked really bad JV-ish. Well, if they were 23 to nothing at the half, 29 nothing at the end of the third quarter, the Steelers then came to life. They have scored the most points in the NFL in the fourth quarter, 133. At what point did you start believing, okay, this is possible? I, To be utterly truthful, I, I just always believe that it's always possible. I've My own personal you know i've been what i've been through in in as a player and so forth you just always believe that you develop that mindset because you have to that to anything less creates that the little drainage of the ampage in your brains right your your mental rpms and so if you let that drop at all you are absolutely going to get crushed on the field so you can't you can't let yourself go to that that aspect of we can't bring him back or we can't get something started you're just always thinking and believing and when they started going, I, you know, you get that hope. But to see what Ben did and what the rest of the crew did coming alive, it, it, it makes everything so much more painful in the sense of where was that in the first half? Where was that in the first quarter? Where was that on the first drive? You know, those sorts of things need to manifest themselves, and there's not much time to get it together. We're looking at the last month of the season. This is it. This could be the last month of – a future Hall of Famer's career coming up here. We're looking at it. This is this is all about writing that finish and doing it and doing it right. And and everybody's got to be hands on. And you know, to me, um, what happened in that fourth quarter is exactly what can happen in the first quarter coming up in Tennessee. Max, you've been in the huddle with seven. You you've seen this uh, happen before. What was going so wrong in the first half, even you know the beginning of the third, and how were they able to turn it around and even have a chance, you know, to win this game? I mean, the first thing was that they weren't picking up blitzes in the first half. I mean, that was just guys were running scot free and just teeing off on Ben. I mean, Harrison Smith, you know, Wolf said it up there. He's like, I don't know how he held on to the football. Um, I mean, he got blasted in the back. I mean, Sheldon Richardson put him on the side of his neck. I mean, there was these just all Scott free type of plays. And then when Najee knows that you're supposed to stay upright and try and block and wall, he goes for the cut block and that guy, you know, dives over him and hits Ben. So those were the things where you're looking at and you're like, man, why, you know, why was this so much? But they got better in the second half. And I think also because, you know, Minnesota kind of put it a little bit in cruise control. They didn't use it. They didn't use as much double barrel in the second half. And the defense, you know, it was the same personnel. You know, they they just they had some pride about them. I don't know if, if Minnesota tried to get cute with more passing game uh, to get Kirk Cousins some some padded stats. Maybe they felt Delvin Cook had enough. But it was it was a change in philosophy on their side, and then it was a combo of, of the Steelers getting it together. But it still it didn't quite click all the way. Like Wolf said. You know, this was something where it was so schizophrenic at best that we couldn't figure out what the game plan was. It, it befuddled Troy Aikman uh, on the television side of it um, because you're sitting there, you're trying, you're trying, and usually you can usually see something kind of kind of diverge itself or, or show itself or diverge from what you're thinking. And 
it was just there was there was no rhyme or reason. I mean, even as we we're going up and down the sidelines, Missy, you know, I was like, maybe if I change the angle, maybe maybe it'll make, <laughs> make more sense to me. Nope, it did not. Whether I was in the end zone or I was on the left side of the bench, <laughs> the right side of the bench, it was just confusing because the cutback lanes that Delvin Cook had, the over pursuit or the ease of blocking on double teams um, defensively was one of those things. I'm like, man, I'm like, you know, a guy will overrun it and then, you know, or a guy will sit there and try and play, try and play backside, but then get pinned. And you're just like, ah, you know, this is something we're used to, used to seeing more fight. And that's what the, the opposing defense for Minnesota was doing. They were fighting over the top of our blocks. They were defeating the backside when Najee was trying to cut back. And it was just like one team wanted it more than the other in the first half. And then the second half, you know, it was like pride kicked in. Like, nah, we can't go out like this. We can't get blanked. And, and that's what that was that started propelling guys. James Washington, I felt, was a catalyst for that. Yeah, good point. What did you see from him specifically, Wolf, you know, having a chance to step in there? Chase Claypool was benched for a little bit, but just kind of being one of those guys that Ben could go deep with. You know, one of the beautiful things about a, a young man like James Washington is here's a guy that's been overlooked so much of this season. And basically, we've not heard a peep. We heard early on in training camp, oh, that he wanted to be traded. That was, in, in my mind, is as much erroneous report as anything. Mike Tomlin even said, I haven't heard about that. So if Mike hasn't heard about it, who has? The point is, he's not made any noise. And the noise is coming by his play. That was a major, major catch. When he went up with two hands and outpointed whoever was on him, was it Breland or somebody? I can't remember who it was. But to make that reception and out-wrestle the guy on the field, I think, as Max just said, it started to kickstart that comeback, that fighting spirit, those guys that said, you know, we're not going to go down like this. This is pitiful. You know, there's a point in time when you're down 29 to nothing and you say, you know, I'm that I'm mad as heck and I ain't going to take it no more. And I think James Washington is one of those guys. Here he is overlooked through so much of the season. And yet when he has that opportunity to make the play, he out wrestles the guy for the ball. Then he splits the seam between the corner and the safety and Ben lights it like a just a, you know, just a torch. He fires it in there. And James makes a touchdown catch. I say when he was he was needed most, he rose to the challenge and gave his very best. And that's that's what you need. You watch him, you see him block people, you see him quietly go about his business, get it done right. He's a true pro. Max, obviously a lot of talk about Chase Claypool, especially uh, that last drive, maybe wasting some time in terms of the clock with the Steelers not having timeouts. Um, hearing from him after the game and maybe just the aftermath of the weekend, what do you make of that situation and how he can improve? As Wolf said, there's still four games left, and as we all saw yesterday in the AFC, it is, it's, it's anybody's ball at this point. Obviously the Steelers need a lot of help too, but they can still help themselves in these last four games. Yeah, they can. I mean, the Steelers could have helped themselves last week uh, on Thursday. I mean, that it's about the want to. And, you know, I said this earlier on our, on our show, me and Wolf, I said a line's in the sand. You, you have a decision to make. No longer can you kind of hem and haw and, ah, I'm getting closer to making a decision. You know, it's kind of like when you go to a car dealership, it's like, I don't know. I don't know if I want the red one or the blue one. <laughs> Do I want a hard top one. or – or the purple one. Do I oh, want a don't hard speak top of that. convertible? But I, I think I think you have to look at it and you have to say, no, you've got to make a decision. Are you on this side of it? Are you going to give it your all? You're going to sacrifice. You're going to sell out. Do the little things extra. 
<clears throat> when nobody's watching? Am I going to watch that extra film? Am I going to run the extra sprints if I need to? Am I, am, am I going to hit you know, the weight room a little bit harder? Am I going to get with my mates a little bit more so we can communicate so that we don't have what happened in Minnesota happen to us again with communication because it's so loud in there? Um, or, uh, you know, I'm trying to make it to the end of the year and not get injured. Uh, you know, I, I got some plans, you know, I, I really, you know, I just want to make sure that I'm okay. Make sure that I'm not the guy that's glaring on here. I just kind of blend in, right? You know, kind, kind of we're back off beige. You know, you have to make that decision now. This is where it is because there's four games left. And you have all conference games and two of those are divisional games. And what you do with these next four will determine if you're celebrating after January 9th or if you're pouting after January 9th or if, in one case, you're retiring after January 9th. So that's what, the, that's what it has to be. It has to be that silo effect where we're going to concentrate for a month straight, bring us all together, circle the wagons, offense and defense together, and we're going to figure this out as a team, all three phases, and we've got to – because we've seen you can win. You can win ugly. You beat Buffalo. You beat Baltimore, two playoff-caliber teams. So you have it in you to come back from behind, and you have it in you to play the tough games with good teams. It's just whether you want to make that decision to be 100% in or if you're, or if you're 60% in. I'm just going to dip my toes in the water just to check the temperature instead of just going <laughs> in, going off the deep end and just diving in. Hey, if it's cold, it's cold. If it's hot, it's hot. I don't know, but I'm all the way in because the rest of my team's in this pool. In terms of the Steelers' last four games, Titans come to Heinz Field, a 1 o'clock matchup this Sunday. The Chiefs heading to Arrowhead the day after Christmas, a Monday night matchup with the Browns finishing out with the Ravens, as Max had said. Um, you know, the one thing I took away from Ben after the game in Minnesota, Wolf, was, you know, he was preaching, we are running out of time. And this is not the first week we have heard that. Um, how does that resonate? You know, he's saying it to the media. Is he also saying that in the locker room to try to rally these guys to Max's point to jump in and not just put their toe in? Absolutely. You know, I mean, just as much as Mike Tomlin talks to the, his team and gives you a preview of what he's going to be talking about post-game, what the message will be come Monday morning, Tuesday morning, what have you, uh, Wednesday. Uh, so Ben is, I'm sure, talking and, and saying things in the press that are coming to light in the locker room. Yes, I am running out of time. Yes, you are running out of time. Yes, we are running out of time together collectively because individually, each and every season is a journey. It's a journey unto that particular team. Next year is going to be different. There's different circumstances, life stories that unfold behind the scenes, different individuals that make up part of the squad. Um, you know, who who's on the rise, who's uh, on, the, on the fall. I mean, all these things happen year by year by year. And I think Ben is just trying to make everybody understand the urgency is now. It's not tomorrow. It's kind of like, you know, I can't remember. Is it Rocky two, Rocky three? You know, he's with Apollo Creed. He's on the beach. You know, he says there is no tomorrow. <laughs> well, there is no tomorrow. There's 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 this last four game stretch, and if you don't take it seriously, if you're not as Max just talked about being all in and then some, um, this can get away from you faster than you can say it was something we could have had. 
You know, and that's what I think Ben is drawing attention to and making sure. Because here's the thing about it. If you can do that in the fourth quarter, you can do that in the first quarter. If you can beat the Mon- the uh, Baltimore Ravens just, what, four or five days earlier, 20 to 19, in a hard-fought physical uh, you know, light them up type of game, and then come out and then be able to make a run back from twenty nine nothing to be within a, a drop ball of a touch. I mean, you you're there. You got the people. You got the horses to do it. Now you got to do it. Max, not that uh, anybody, especially on the Steelers roster, Coach Tomlin would use it as an excuse, but coming off of that physical, the emotional game against the Ravens, you have to go on the road. Does any of that play into it as a former player? Do you remember anything? You know any. Anything that you can put your hand on that uh, maybe could have, you know, led to what we saw on Thursday night? Well, yeah, but but then that, that's seeking comfort. You know, Missy, I mean, it, it comes down to are you going to be a professional or are you going to be, uh, you know, an excuse maker? Yeah, everybody could say, listen, that was a rivalry game. There's a huge letdown afterwards, emotionally short week. We're flying. But that's just what it is. Minnesota – you know, ha- ha- had a heartbreaking loss, and they still found a way to put it back together um, and come out and-, and just torch us in the first half. You know, they could say, hey, we didn't have Dalvin Cook last week, and, you know, we got all these issues. We lost Adam Thielen, wah, wah, wah. But they, they didn't. They didn't. They just went out there, and they played. And, and they said, this is the opponent in front of me, and I'm going to smack him in the mouth, and I'm going to see if they flinch. And the Steelers could have went and did the same thing. I get, hey, listen, football's tough. Trust me, I know. I, I, I can sit there. I'm not saying anything that I didn't have to do myself. And what we had to do, you just had to be ready. You just had to be. If the ball was on the field, you had to be ready to go. I don't want to hear about your knee is sore, your back is sore, your elbow sore. Like, we played through all that. You know, I played through a torn knee from week 12 all the way through the Super Bowl, my, my second year in the league. Didn't complain. Had to get the extra treatment. If I wanted to play... I needed to have my button there at 5.36 a.m. and getting treatment. I needed to stay after practice till about 5, 5.36 p.m. and get the extra treatment because I knew that my teammates were depending upon, uh, upon me. And I had, I, had, I had a responsibility to them to give it my all and do my all to be invested in that situation. So the same thing is asked of all, of all these other guys. Nobody's asking you to do anything that they wouldn't have to do themselves. And I think that's where you kind of have to have – you know, and this is where I think another thing we kind of fleshed out during the show earlier today was that there's not enough leaders to give those examples, right? Because I think there is an age disconnect when you look at Ben because he's been in the league so long. When he says it, it's like, ah, well, yeah, right. Here, here's Grandpa Tones, one of his tall tales. <laughs> he walked four miles uphill in the snow both ways, you know, from school, no car. He had, you know, he, he wrapped bearskin. Uh, skins on his feet. He didn't have shoes. You know, <laughs> you, you can hear that from him, but it's different when it comes from a Trey Turner, when it comes from a Joe Schobert, when it comes from a different guy who's been in the league in that what I call the middle age years, that five through eight span, because you're still young enough to be able to connect with your rookies and your younger guys and old enough to connect with the older guys who are who are in the double-digit years. So there has to be that segue, and we don't have really as many of those on this squad because, it was, you know, you hate to say it, it was it was like a clean sweep uh, with guys in the offseason. You know, Vince Williams uh, suddenly retiring, David DeCastro being cut, Villanueva leaving, Pouncey retiring. You lost a lot of that middle-aged group that would be the ones saying this. 
right? Because if a Pouncey's in there, Pouncey could tell you about making it to a Super Bowl as a rookie. He could tell you about making it to AFC Championship games. He has that requisite experience to be able to impart that and relate it to the guys, whereas, you know, a younger guy doesn't necessarily have that experience. I mean, we, we talked about the wide receiver room. Who are you looking to as the experienced guy? There's, there, there isn't one. They're all young. So, you know, talking about situational awareness, you know, somebody made, made the point, hey, Larry Fitzgerald would have done it. Well, Larry Fitzgerald also would have been 18 years in the league if he was still in there right now. So he's done it a time or two. But they don't have that person in there. They don't have Darius Hayward Bays or the Cedric Wilsons or the Heinz Wards or the Plax Burrises. They don't have those guys in the locker room to tell them that. So they're, they're, they're going off of what they know and in the moment. And for a coach to say it, it only goes so far. And I think that's where it, it's tough to try and simulate those experiences or those conversations because you don't have that locker room sounding board. It's only when you go up to the meeting rooms or when you go talk to the media or when you have some, a former player calling you out is where you get that as opposed to having somebody who can put their arm around your shoulder in your locker and tell you, hey, man, listen, listen, it's tough. I'm going to get through it. I've been through the same thing. You just need to go ahead and bear this burden, but also realize that you need to grow from this. You, you, there's, not, there's not enough of those faces because Cam Hayward can say it to the wide receivers, but it doesn't resonate the same um, because it's defense and offense. And for Trey Turner to go talk to the receiver, it's different. It's O-line and wide receiver, specialist position versus alignment position. It doesn't really hit the same tones and chords. All right, well, we are going to talk about the injuries that we could possibly hear an update from Coach Tomlin tomorrow during his press conference. Also, what stones can be overturned to try to fix things heading into this Titans game. But first, we want to tell you for the most complete selection of Steelers merchandise from official sideline gear and authentic memorabilia to our extensive selection of jerseys and terrible towels, just visit one of the official Steelers Pro Shop stores located at Heinz Field, Grove City Premium Outlets, or Tanger Outlets. Or you can visit us online at shop.com. Steelers.com. That's for all of your Steelers merchandise needs directly from the team. You're listening to The Point After right here on DVE. Back to The Point After on DVE. Shotgun snap. Five-man rush. He fires from the goal line. Touchdown and incomplete. Friermuth had it for a second and he lost it. And that has zeros on the clock. He had it for a brief fleeting instant and he just couldn't reel it in. Anthony Barr covering on the play. Wow. Everybody, welcome back to The Point After, presented by Parks Casino and Comcast Business. Missy Matthews, Craig Wolfley, and Max Starks. Uh, Max, that moment, um, you know, we've all probably watched the replays about a million times. Uh, take me through what happened on that play. Um, which play was that? Sorry, I, I missed that. Oh, no, that's okay. The last play to, to Fryermuth, the incompletion. Oh. I mean, we so we were both standing there. You remember that, right? Oh, yeah, oh, <laughs> as, of as, course. I was standing huddled up in the corner because everybody was down in that end of the end zone. And, I mean, you, you're looking at the momentum is with the Steelers to make it all the way down there, to be in that position, um, and to think, all right, they're going to do this. And then the play, uh, Ben stepping back, snapping the ball, and he sees just this little hole. I mean, it's like a vortex, right? And to put that ball in that place and to see those hands, I thought it was I thought it was a bona fide touchdown. I, once I saw it hit his hands, you know, you see the momentum because we're sitting like 
right between the goal line pylons um, on the on the on our side of the of the uh, of the field, and you just see. I'm like, oh my god, he caught it! Oh, he did not. <laughs> you know, he caught it and he got punched out, and it was just one of those things. It was a crescendo moment. You know, this is the moment that legends or great teams build upon. And you're just like, oh, my gosh, this is it right here. And then for it to just fall out right at the end, it was like your heart just dropped because we had went through the emotions already. We had already went through the emotions of, you know what? This team was, for the lowest of feelings you could feel the first half, to then get all of that excitement back, it was just tremendous. It was tremendous, but then – then your heart just just rebreaks all over again in that moment, and I feel bad for Pat Fryermuth, you know, because all of that pressure to be put on him for that one play, you know, is a lot, especially for a rookie, and and it and and not only for that, it's, it's not the first time that's happened, right? You know, you look at, you know, the game in overtime against Detroit, and you think about man, you know, what could have been, and so you're sitting there, you're trying to. You're trying to find solace, and there's just no solace in it because you realize the opportunity that was there was um, was 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 ill-gotten. You didn't have the opportunity to seal it away like you wanted to, and so um, you know it was a lot. I mean, to thread the needle for Ben through the through the through those three defenders, but Harrison Smith to make that heads-up play right. You know, there's a reason why he's a pro, why he's a Pro Bowl player. He knows how to do that. Um, it's just tough because you wish you would have had another play. Now, here's the thing, Max. Time on the clock. And we were talking about this earlier. What's the difference between that and make a Fitzpatrick's hit in the end zone? Mm. That none. absolutely frosted None. Me. None. There's none. none there. No. None. No, you just you, – you got three guys going after uh, a, a Friar Muth, you know, at the end there. But it was just make a putting an excellent, well-timed, well-placed, circa two, two, you know, 2021 defensive uh, – blow on a guy and did the right job he didn't he didn't go head hunting he didn't you know uh, mm. leap and, and target and all that other stuff it was a timely professional hit the way it should be done and, and he gets penalized for it and here's you know and in the very aspect of, that bothers me so much is that you had a couple of guys that took a shot at Friar Muth at the end there and not, there's no flag I mean that to me that was that was completely unacceptable well, hence where the discrepancy is, right, Wolf? When there's no accountability, when there's nothing to complain to, there's no oversight for the referees, um, this is what we deal with, right? Well, you they know, can't come we, out and we, explain themselves. No, they can't, and there's, nobody, and there's no representative that's going to explain and say, hey, we talked it over with them, here's how we saw it, we're in agreement, or we don't agree with that, and you can't challenge those type of plays because – you know, even as much as as soon as that guy t- threw the flag out of his pocket, I'm sure once he saw the replays, like, man, I wish I could just reel that back in because you realize there's the human error. There's a human error. It looks so vicious that it had to have been a penalty. And then you watch the replay like, oh, no, he just caught him in the udders. You know what I'm saying? That, yep. that area in between the armpits right there right. where all the ribs are exposed. <laughs> he just, boom, popped him right there with his shoulder. And because his head jarred back, he must have been helmet to helmet. Must have been some but he type of right back roughness. Up. I, exactly. Exactly. And that guy waited a second. He's sitting right on the goalpost. He, he was blocking my view where I would normally want to stand. <laughs> and still couldn't get it right. He Did still you yell couldn't at get him? it right. 
No, I didn't yell at him because, well, <laughs> technically, I was probably going to get the microphone back from Missy because we were sharing. We were trading, yeah. Sharing is caring, yeah. Max. Yeah, yeah, sharing is caring. That's right. <laughs> that uh, play by Minka, I mean, it was textbook what they want defenders to do. So maybe that's something, you know, when the officials always come up during training camp and show players, hey, here's what we want to do for this. Like, you could use that and say, here's what we want to do on that type of play. And, you know, for Minka, who is very uh, mild-mannered in person, I'm not saying on the field, he even tweeted this weekend about the officiating and just that play because so many people were, you know, showing the video and how it shouldn't have been a penalty. Exactly so. And if you watch, what was it, later in the game, Minka had another hit on a guy on a crossing route where he actually semi-absorbed the blow, letting himself be bounced backwards rather than driving through the man to dislodge the ball. And I'm thinking to myself, that's how dudes get hurt. When you have that, mm-hmm. that opportunity to be able to go and tackle a guy and make that hit, and now you realign your body and back off and don't bring any force, that now you make yourself more vulnerable. And to me, that's, that's again, unacceptable. Well, and I think more so it's, it's because of that action causes that type of ripple effect later in the game where right. a guy doubts himself. He's like, man, well, if this, if this isn't legal, then I know that what I'm about to do can't be legal because <laughs> uh, I've already got I've already got popped for it once. So I'm not I'm not going to be the guy that cost my team 15 yards uh, in that situation, even though he didn't he didn't do anything wrong. And there's like there's no you're guilty until proven not guilty, not even innocent, guilty until proven not guilty <laughs> because he didn't get a FedEx envelope on Monday. Right. That's the only way you know that you're not guilty of something in retrospect. There's no apology. That referee's not going to come to training camp and say, hey, Minka, let's watch this film and let me tell you what I saw, and I'm wrong. They'll never admit they're wrong or my bad. You know, they're not going to send you a check in the mail like, hey, I know this could have cost you, so here you go, man. Sorry about that. Not going to happen. And so that's when you don't have the oversight. That's, that's, that's what pisses you off as a player, and you get on the referees, and then you're like, well, league, y'all don't want this? And then also – because you're not making guys full-time or you're not making them unionize or however it is, um, this is what you're going to continue to get. And it's like, as a league, players have to stand up and say, hey, listen, we need better refereeing. We need better controls. We need more youth or whatever it is. We need this type of oversight because you're costing us games. Because essentially, you think about that, because Minka did that, that happened in the end zone, they put it on the one, they score. As opposed to, I think that was, what, a third down play? Um, you know, and then you're at fourth down, they're kicking a field goal. Yeah. How much nicer could that have been to have only given up a field goal in that situation versus a touchdown? That could have been the difference in the game and how you approached it for the offense. So it had its ripple effects and it, and, and it had its intended uh, desired effect for the referee standpoint once again. Some quick news and notes to get through. Offensive tackle Joe Haig has been activated off the reserve COVID list. The Steelers also signed defensive end John Simon to their practice squad and terminated kicker Sam Floman from the practice squad. And in terms of injuries, we know TJ Watt left the game early with a groin injury. Alex Highsmith, a knee injury. And then the four guys who we did not see uh, play in Minnesota, Joe Hayden's dealing with a foot, B.J. Finney back, Isaiah Bugs ankle, and Robert Spillane knee. Kevin Dotson still on IR, but this is the week that he could come off. So I'm not saying... I know anything, but, you know, it would be nice to get some more bodies back, Wolf, when you're looking at that list of names. And hopefully with TJ and Alex Highsmith that, you know, maybe the long weekend, having some extra time, they're ready to go for the Titans. Well, hopefully for TJ, 
number one, he's dealt with this before, and uh, maybe it was he was getting ahead of the curve as far as making sure he didn't overstretch or do something that was going to create more damage. Uh, Alex, I'm worried about. I mean, because you know, a knee thing, especially a young buck like that, knee thing is is difficult, and uh, the kid has uh, just got such, you know, got such promise. You, you want him to be out there just doing what he needs to do. Uh, I hope that uh, Dotson is able to come back. And I, I'll say this about Leglue. You know what? Uh, the kid, the kid battles. The kid battles. All right. You know, he's he's got some deficiencies, as we all did as players. Did do we not, Max? But you like a young yeah. buck who goes out there, and maybe he doesn't know that. Maybe all the other guys around him or, or other people are saying, you know, can this guy play or not? He knows and says, I can play. And I thought, you know what? He gave his best, uh, best that he could, put his best foot forward, and did what he needed to do in the interim. I think he one thing he showed is he belonged in the pros. Yeah, no, I, I think that's exactly what it is. You hope that 10 days gives you uh, that additional cushion because we've shown that, you know, you got, you got to have your horses out there. We're oh, not yeah. deep enough as a team to be able to sustain that many injuries and that much lost time. Uh, from presumed starters. And so, you know, the hope is is that you can get some of those guys back because this is a Tennessee team that has a lot of pride, and they're trying to, they're, they're trying to cement themselves in the playoffs as well. Uh, and they're trying to hold their position. So they're going to come in with a, with a motivation. You know, they've got a ticket, but they're not sure where they're sitting. Are they in the front row or are they in the back row? But they have a ticket. We're sitting outside still holding up signs like, can we get in? You know, listen, How I got much? $50. I got $50. I need what tickets. What can you do for me? What can you do for me? Make this hey, $50, make you holler. Come on. I, I need something. I, I need a ticket. And Tennessee's sitting on the inside. So what are you going to do? How desperate are you to make a play? How desperate are you to win um, in this circumstance? Because that's the difference. You know, we talk about wanting to play into January. Well, now with the 17th game, that's all but assured uh, that you're playing in <laughs> January. But I want to get into the dance. There's seven teams now. There's an additional team, an additional game, another opportunity for us to try and pry our way into this. Cincinnati and Baltimore gave us headway, gave us leeway, and gave us breath. So why can't we take advantage of that? All right. You know, that's what it comes down to. We are going to go around the NFL and especially the AFC and AFC North. When we return, you are listening to The Point After, presented by Parks Casino and Comcast Business. We'll be right back here on DVE. Back to The Point After on DVE. It's Groundhog's Day, um, and uh, it's unacceptable. We've got a long weekend to think about it. Um, what are we, 6-6-1, six, six, so 13 games pass, so we got four more. Time will tell. Everybody, I'm Missy Matthews. Welcome back to The Point After, presented by Parks Casino and Comcast Business. Craig Wolfley and Max Starks joining me. We are here until the top of the hour. There we heard from angry Cam Hayward, as I termed him, uh, following the game wolf. Um, Coach Tomlin said, you know, we might have to overturn any stones that we can to try to fix things at this point. What can you change to try to get a better outcome on Sunday? Well, I think there's, there's, uh, you know, the obvious where you go to, like the linebackers. You got issues in the second level. All of a sudden, we see Buddy Johnson. Um, we saw Marcus Allen in there. Mm -hmm. um, again, there's, there's the limited capabilities of what you're able to do as far as 
making any personnel adjustments that are going to have, have that sort of a decisive type, uh, you know, factor that, that weighs in and gives you the best edge for victory. Look, you know, you, you are where you are right now, and it's going to be up to these individuals to increase their output, their product, their production capabilities. I think, uh, you know, again, <laughs> you've got to maximize your ability to tackle and get guys running to the ball. There's far too many singular tackles being missed and not enough rallying to the ball. And the communication aspect on offense has got to be better. They know it. Everybody, they, these are all obvious things. You know, there's there's just only so much you can do. But what you can do is raise your performance level. And I look at it this way. I watch earlier in the game, you see guys not really catching, running the ball, tackling, doing all things. Then all of a sudden, James Washington makes one catch. Then he makes another. Then you've got Chase making an unbelievable catch along the sidelines. Deontay. Deontay, James, and Chase made three of the most improbable catches I've seen in a long time and do so in a game. And all of a sudden, everybody starts picking it up. And it only takes the power of one to get things rolling here. And defensively speaking, if we can find somebody that gets that power of one rolling along and and coming through, um, good things can happen. Now, you had Witherspoon come out and get a couple of interceptions. That's good stuff, right? We, we saw where, you know, we, we dropped a TJ and Alex on the outside. That's unfortunate. Now, other guys, can you step up and do some things? But, again, it's the painfully obvious stuff. But there's also that, that hope that there's some fire that catches on and creates, uh, you know, a pathway to victory. And one of those things, a faster start, I hope at some point we open up with some tempo offense because I think Ben really does a great job running that, and I think it, it would create some sort of – urgency and everybody to be able to get after it and who knows if you get out there score first then maybe the defense picks it up from there max in terms of uh the Steelers heading into the Ravens week they went in pads one day that was something different that they did that outcome worked um you know playing off of what Wolf just said what else can you change or do differently heading into this Titans game I I mean I I think it's come down to where you know, you have to be able to do it more aggressively, faster. I think, like Wolf said, tempo matters. And if you can get tempo into this, it brings a natural sense of urgency, right? When, when you're doing everything high speed, you know, and you're doing it at a fast clip, you know, people start to feel that natural kind of anxiety, nervousness, fidgety, like, you know, nervous energy in your body when you have to do it back to 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 back. When you have to do it at such that level, it just it becomes innate. And I think that's what it is. When you're trying to when you're trying to get your soldiers to march, right? There's a reason why you have the drummer there that keeps the cadence. Because if a drummer doesn't keep cadence, we know what happens, right? <laughs> you know, you can disjoint, you lose interest, you get a little fearful. But it, when you hear that drum, when you hear that rhythm it puts you in a mode. It gets you thinking. It gets you focused. And I think that's what the Steelers are kind of lacking. They're lacking that intensity and that drumming cadence. That's what I think they can do differently. You don't need to put pads on. You don't have to hit any more. But when you do it, do it fast and do it to the to the best of your abilities. That's what you have to kind of bring out of these guys right now. Just remember, though, we've already been through the music at practice, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no music. Once again. 
I didn't say have a drummer boy present. <laughs> I, 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 I just want to clarify. Of, I want to clarify, Max. I don't, I don't want somebody to go hire a high school marching band <laughs> drum line, okay? You the Steelers' it. drum line is only at the stadium, not at practice. <laughs> that is the clarity. <laughs> well, it is December, which means the Pit- Pittsburgh Symphony is probably going to come play at some point soon. Oh, yeah. In the facility. In the, in the I facility. know. I'm yes. kidding. That's different. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's very different. All right, it is time to look around the NFL, brought to you by Clearview Federal Credit Union, your financial partner for life, clearviewfcu.org. And looking at the AFC standings as we sit here today, the Patriots at 9-4. and They are at number one. And then two, three, and four, the Steelers are going to play in the next few weeks. The Titans, the Chiefs, the Ravens, followed by the Chargers, the Colts, and the Bills. Those are the first seven as we sit here today. As I said, we know how much this list can change. Um, but then the Browns, the Bango, Bengals, excuse me, the Broncos at 10, and then the Steelers uh, with their $50 bill, as Max said, at number 11 at 6, 6, and 1. Um, but as I said, you're playing teams that are already – uh, inching their way to cement the fact that they are in. Um, Max, when you look at the games yesterday, I'm sure you watched a bunch of them. I think you called one, though, actually. So maybe you didn't <laughs> yeah. see all of them. Um, what do you make of just this this year, uh, and especially the AFC conference? Anything can happen. Any, on any given Sunday, anything can happen. I mean, you think – I mean, there are teams who we know are rising at this time. We know Kansas City is rising. We know that, that New England is as well. Everything after that, question mark, TBD, TBA, NA, I don't know what's going on. You could add all the acronyms to everybody after the top two, and that's kind of where we're at, and that's why there's still an opportunity for the Steelers. The Steelers are still in this mathematically, but they have to get their heads wrapped around it, and that just lets you know that the teams that we thought were going to be great aren't as great. Look at look at the Baltimore Ravens yesterday against the Browns. Um Losing Lamar Jackson, and yes, that game ended on a final score that looks a lot closer, but that game, Cleveland was handling Baltimore Mm -hmm. for the majority of that game. So we can't look at the numbers and see that. Um, Cincinnati's game was not as close as as people want to think. That that was a game that did not look great. So I think, you know, when you look at it, Tennessee played Jacksonville. That that 20 to zip does not scare me. Oh, oh, who's it against? Jacksonville. (laughs) Okay, state or or Jaguars? I don't know. You might as well (laughs) put either one out there. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's where we kind of we kind of realize that hey, this is still wide open. It's not the NFC like the NFC is a little bit more put together, Um, but you still have some spots six and seven are still kind of flexible. But your top five are pretty cemented um, on the NFC side. That's but that that's how I would say three through seven are in the, in the AFC. So it's wide open still. It's about who can catch fire at the right moment. And next weekend is that moment where we're going to start to see someone starting to heat up. And you hope it's the Steelers against a playoff bound Tennessee Titan squad. And it's at home, Wolf. Um, I think we have seen maybe after the, the, especially the Ravens game, just the intensity, the crowd being in it. So hopefully that does play a factor. Um, what do you think just quickly about the Titans and not their performance necessarily against Jacksonville, but just the up and down season that they've had in losing Derrick Henry and still finding a way to, you know, be nine and, and four. And their wide receiver. You know, I mean, look, they've got some issues also. So, you know, this is an opportunity for the Steelers. Look, there's nobody that the Steelers are not capable of beating. And there's nobody that the Steelers are not capable of losing to. 
you know, having the opportunity for the Tennessee Titans to come in here without a Derrick Henry and maybe, you know, December football, as Mike Tomlin likes to point out, and we'll see what kind of weather. Maybe it's inclement weather there. Uh, I don't know. But the fact is, it's an opportunity to knock these guys down. I mean, there's, the, again, it, beating Jacksonville, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's not the biggest thing in the world. And they're down a couple of superstars, so you've got to take advantage of the opportunity that's presented to you to be able to go out there. Yep, I'm sure that uh, the defensive coordinators for the Steelers are going, okay, maybe we're dodging a bullet there without a Derrick Henry. I do have to say this, though, but this is the same defense that can come out and rise up and hold the – uh, you know, the, the Ravens, the number one rushing team at that point, basically, or number two, I can't remember what it was, but to be able to shut them down and, and get a point win. You know I mean? They're capable. And for them, and the frustration is, when not everybody lives up to their capabilities, you have the issues that go on where the details are not being attended to. And so certainly I think for the Ravens to come in right now, this is a great time to get back on your horse, get that defense focused, and be able to come off and do what you need to do to get a win. And because the AFC is so jumbled, and as Max said, it's anybody's taking, um, Saturday football starting for this week. The Raiders are at the Browns, Patriots at the Colts, so I'm sure uh, Steelers fans and everybody else in the AFC will be watching those. Of course, we know Titans come to Pittsburgh in terms of some other AFC games that will uh, you know, draw some eyes. Bengals at Broncos. And then uh, in terms of the Ravens, they are facing the Packers. John Harbaugh, I did see uh, earlier today, had a press conference and is expecting Lamar to be there on Sunday. So we'll have to see how that ankle holds up and what's happening there. No question I've about it. I've got $50. i got $50. <laughs> Let me in. What's that for Let what? me in. <laughs> No, I'm talking about to get into the playoffs. I got fifty dollars, oh. Wolf. That's right. all we got. That's I know all the tickets you need. are a hundred. I know there's a. I know the tickets are a hundred at face value, but the first quarter's already started. You've you've got to come up off those. They're not going to be worth anything soon. I'm just saying. <laughs> As we head into our final minutes here on the point after uh, Max, I'll start with you. Just what are the two things you are hoping to see Sunday from the Pittsburgh Steelers? Well, I'm really just hoping that the Steelers can can show some consistency um, to actually show me from start to finish a game plan and it being executed. Yeah, hey, listen, big plays are going to happen. You know, you're go- you're 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 going to get beat every once in a while, but show me that you've learned from Minnesota. Show me that you watched the film, that you took it in, you let it breathe inside of you for about 24 hours, and you burned it into your minds, and you said never again. I, I don't want to see back-to-back-to-back big plays. I don't want to see that on the defensive side that's being given up. Now, offensively, hey, go at it. That's what I want. But I want to see those first 15 offensively look like it's succinct and it has a point and it ends in points, uh, preferably in the first quarter. That's what, that, that, that's what I'm hoping to see, just a consistency and kind of an ideal that's going to be carried from first quarter to fourth quarter. Wolf? Same uh, is, is, you know, my, for, my, for me, it's about starting the game like you finished the Vikings game, playing downhill with your hair on fire. I mean, that's what I want to see, that sort of excitement, that burning desire, that overwhelming desire to get the job done and continue to do so, that fast start something that alleviates the schizophrenia that seems to just be happening at, at different times in the game and you'll you'll have these lulls I get it it's it's not uncommon to have some lulls during the course of a season but to have it as much as we've had it has just been uh, I think particularly uh, 
kind of drive you crazy a little bit. I would think it leads to a lot of coaches spending late nights with, uh, you know, uh, up at night, you know, and I just think if they can get, get this game going right from the get-go, that tempo, uh, that's going to be a big, big key. So are you predicting 28 points in the first quarter since you want them to finish like the end of the Vikings? Uh, don't put a number on it. <laughs> I mean, you would take it, though. <laughs> I would take it, no doubt about it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you to everybody for joining us here on The Point After, presented by Parks Casino and Comcast Business. Your business depends on Internet. Get Internet. Your business can depend on Comcast business built for business. The Tennessee Titans sitting at nine and four coming to Heinz Field to face the six, six and one Steelers on Sunday. We will be back here on Monday for producer Tom Craig, Wolfley and Max Starks. I'm Missy Matthews. Thanks, everybody, and have a wonderful evening.